Worth repeating is made possible by the 8020 Foundation, City of San Antonio Department of Arts and Culture, and Niche at Pearl. Welcome to the Worth Repeating Podcast. I'm Tori Poole. The stories in this episode were recorded live from the Irma and Emilio Nicolás Center at Texas Public Radio in downtown San Antonio. The theme of the evening was Spectre, stories about ghosts, the supernatural, and other things that haunt. Do you believe in the supernatural? The first storyteller is Lucy Frost. Lucy shares a story about the things we leave behind and how some of them might have been purchased in bulk. only things I knew about my next door neighbor is that she had tampons, lots and lots of tampons. I had only met her once briefly when I took the kids trick-or-treating. My youngest, Clark, went as Woody from Toy Story, but he had these long, beautiful, curly golden locks that I refused to cut because they were so cute. And so everyone kept thinking he was a cowgirl, and he was none too happy about that. When my neighbor, the one with the tampons, told him that he was beautiful, he said, we're never trick-or-treating here again, and, and we didn't. Um, my neighbor, the one with the tampons, um, she had, I didn't know really anything about her other than that she had boxes and boxes of Super Plus Tampax tampons. And she didn't tell me that, of course. I only found out about that when I went to the estate sale after she died. And she was either, had always been a hermit, had recently become a hermit, I wasn't sure which. Um, all I knew is she never left her 50s ranch style house. And of course, the boxes and boxes of tampons. So um, the I go into the estate sale, and in the bathroom, there's this open cabinet, and it is just full up with these boxes. And these are like the old type of tampons, where the applicator is about the size of a paper towel roll, say. <laughs> or toilet paper roll, whatever. Um, that means each of the boxes was about the size of a small toaster. So they really filled up the place, right? And I tried to focus on the rest of the sale. I mean, being a person who no longer needs tampons. <laughs> um, but uh, it, it was kind of distracting because I was curious about those, right? So I go into the living room and there's this couch. And I'm like, oh, that's a lovely couch. And the next thing I thought was, wait, wasn't she menopausal? And then there was a bed in the bedroom, and I thought, is a double bed too small for our guest bedroom? And also, was she just trying to recapture her youth? <laughs> um, there were quilts everywhere, $10, $15 quilts. And um, I should have been thinking about whether I wanted to buy the quilts, but instead I was like, of all things to hoard, why tampons? Why? Did she just have a very bleedy family member? Or maybe, maybe, 
uh, she thought she was perimenopausal and that her period, like any old seventh grader, could just sneak up on her unannounced, you know? So I told my then husband, I said, I'm just going to go into the bathroom. Would it be weird if I just went in there and checked the cell by date so at least I'd know how old they were? And he was like, oh, yeah, that would be weird. <laughs> and so I was like, well do you think they're her daughters? Like maybe her daughter downsized from super plus to super and just threw her old backstock into the estate sale. And uh, my then husband was like, uh-huh. And I'm like, uh-huh, you agree that's what happened or uh-huh? And he was like, uh-huh, why does it matter? So then I thought, well, I'll go ask the lady in the living room who is clearly in charge of this bargain market. Um, but... The concern was like, what if she was the daughter? What would I say? I'm so, so sorry for your loss. And also, are those your enormous tampons? <laughs> <laughs> so I told my husband, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to buy them, right? And then I'll take them home. I'll know what the sell-by date is. I'll know how old these boxes are. He's looking at me like I've lost my flipping brain. And he was like, but you don't need them anymore. And I was like, well, she didn't need them anymore either. <laughs> and um, so he said, so no, really, Lucy, you're going to buy hand-me-down tampons so that you can take them home and check the sell-by date? And I was like, no, they're not hand-me-down, they're vag-me-down. <laughs> so... <laughs> Well, he, uh, he was like, well, then, if you buy them, then when we have your estate sale, and I was like, oh, shit, he has a point, right? <laughs> like, could I trust my kids not to put Tampax in the estate sale? I sure as hell couldn't trust my husband because he would have thought it was funny. Um, so um, I ended up, he shamed me into leaving the estate sale without ever buying the tampons or uncovering the mystery, but it did prompt a series of important discussions with my kids. So I talked to my oldest kids, uh, my oldest son Thomas, and I'm like, whatever you do, don't put Tampax in my estate sale. <laughs> and he was like, what are you even talking about? <laughs> and I was like, well, not Tampax, obviously I don't have Tampax, but like, if there's a vibrator in there, so help me God, I will haunt you from the grave. And he was like, oh, mom, can't you just get rid of it before then? I was like, I'm not saying there is one. <laughs> I'm just saying. And then I talked to my daughter about my post-death expectations, and I told her, you know, when I die, just put in the obituary, just say what I die from so that people don't have to be all wondering. And she was like, mom, nobody wonders but you. I was like, oh, no, we all wonder. Um, but whether we do or don't, just put it in there. And she said, what if you die of ass cancer? I'm like, just put cancer in there. Um, so I hadn't really thought about death and the after-death logistics before. I mean, I was so busy raising my kids and, and working that I really hadn't put too much thought into it or any thought into it. So then I started thinking, what would I want in my estate sale were I to have one? Um, I mean, at some point. And I thought books. I mean, definitely I would want books in there, right? And um, the problem with having tampons is that it 
it just then everybody thinks about you that way so that you're like Lucy the bleeder. When what I really want to be known by is like Lucy the laugher or Lucy the authentic or even Lucy the smartass, right? And also it's like you, it's like if all they think about is these random items in your estate sale, has your life had value? And I, so I started thinking, what do I want in that estate sale? So I want books. I want art. But then when I kept thinking about what else I might want, it made me very sad to think about people picking over the carcass of my life. So then I thought, you know what? Tampax is the way to go. <laughs> she had it figured out because it's funny. It gets people wondering. It gets people telling stories about you. <laughs> but you know what would be even better? A box of dildos. <laughs> I guess when we leave things behind, we should consider our audience. Know someone with a great story? Tell them about Worth Repeating. Worth Repeating is currently accepting submissions for December's live event, Taught. From the heart of the classroom to the life lessons we needed to learn, these stories are all about knowledge. Submit today by visiting tpr.org backslash WR. This program was made possible with support from the 8020 Foundation, striving to transform San Antonio by issuing grants to public charities that attract, grow, and retain San Antonio's future workforce. For this and more information, visit 8020foundation.com. Our next storyteller is Canela. Canela shares a story about how a picture was worth one perfectly good camera. school I got really into cameras so much so that I picked up extra shifts at my local Texas Roadhouse just to make the funds for a quality camera at the time I was really close to my aunt I looked up to her as a mentor and um, I took regard very highly so when she asked me to go ghost hunting I was really taken back I took her seriously though but at the same time I was like well this is a cool opportunity to check out my camera and so she explains to me that there's a certain phenomena going on in a property that her family owns and that um, they pretty much, um, construction crews next to the home are reporting, um, the, they're pretty much reporting like a concern for the welfare of an elderly couple that lives there. And then she quickly tells me that the house has been abandoned for six years and that um, that elderly couple that they're describing are her grandparents and they've since deceased. And so she's very emotional and she kind of wants to get to the bottom of things, make sure that there's nothing menacing going on in the home, but as well, well, because she had um, elderly checking on the home. And second, if there's something extraordinary going on, why not fuck around and put it on the show Ghost Hunters? <laughs> and so the day of ghost hunting comes, and my aunt, um, my roommate gets wind that my aunt promised drinks afterwards. So we head to her house, and we're greeted by her nephew and her sister. We take the trip up to Rio Grande, which is about an hour and a half, and we pull up to the home, and I think to myself, like, how can this beautiful home be haunted? And so we get off, and I'm thinking, you know, Rio Grande, Coyote Alley, 
you don't even hear chinches, like it's silence. I thought that was strange, but we walked up the stairs and we were greeted at the front, which is like a cement porch. Right before we go in, my aunt says that she wants to do a protection prayer. And my roommate holds my hand and she's like, protection prayer? And I grab hers back, like, be respectful. And so my aunt says her words and, you know, we kind of just do this number right here. And I'm like, nah, vergas. Y'all wanted to ghost hunt? We're going to ghost hunt. So being young, you know, I open the door. And the first picture that I take is of the back window, which is a small home, and it's a kitchen window, and I take a click. And that kind of excites everybody to run in, and we're all kind of ghost hunting. 30, 40 minutes go on, and my aunt says it's time for a break. And so her sister and I were the only ones who had cameras. And not even 30 seconds goes by that we're examining our footage, and we're just staring at each other in a blank silence. And all of a sudden, like, me and her are passing the camera around because we can't even speak. And now everybody in the room is conscious that this innocent Casper-like, you know, experience quickly turned really evil. And so we're all experiencing, seeing in the pictures, um, a half torso of a demon greeting us, almost like delighted that you're home. And it was complete chaos after that. We um, tried to open the door, and it took all of us collectively to get the door open. And when we opened the door, we run to the truck. It was like a release. <laughs> My aunt goes, we need to go to a busy place. And I'm like, where? And she's like, Walmart. <laughs> and so she was a little bit more briefed on ghost experiences. And so she's like, we need to lose the spirits. We need to lose whatever is here. And so, as per her request, we literally look like we're peeing ourselves, but we run into Walmart, and we kind of like you lose ourselves in the crowd. You know, me and my roommate end up in the makeup section. She sends a message 20 minutes later that it's time to go. And so, you know, we meet her in the front of Walmart, and, um, you know, she's got a warm smile on her face, and she's got boxes and boxes of ice cream, like she was a conero. Um, and so we make it to the truck, and everybody gets in, and an hour is going by. We're almost home, and we just went through all the boxes of ice cream, and we're eating and passing, and no one is saying anything. And so um, we get to my aunt's house, and she kind of looks at me, and she's like, all right, you know, it goes without telling, you know, delete that. And I'm just like, sure, <laughs> right? Um, but what she doesn't know is that I actually lied to my roommate and I lied to her about keeping them for a little while. Um, they became like a weird ritual that I would come home and check them out and like see if there was anything I can explore or notice. And quickly it became really toxic. So I was like, oh, it's the pictures. I know it's a picture. So I determined one, home, uh, one night I come home and I delete anything pre and post, the whole freaking SD card. Like I was like, I don't want nothing to do with it. And I throw it in my drawer. I worked a double. The next morning I noticed my drawer was open. And so I like find things and it was vintage solid wood. So I was like, there's no way that thing is just open. And so I go to examine and when I examine my drawer, there's a busted up remnants of what I can describe to you, my old camera. <laughs> and um, I, 
I don't know to this day what it was. Um, my aunt never put it up for the show Ghost Hunters. She kind of, you know, it was just kind of those things we just got to let things be. But um, all I can tell you is that if you allow or if you're looking for evil, it'll find you. So thank you. <laughs> It's pretty cool that Canela was able to lose a ghost and also save a bit of money. Worth Repeating returns on November 14th and the theme is elevated. From higher knowledge to raised forms of consciousness, these stories are all about reaching new heights. Grab tickets today by visiting tpr.org backslash WR. This program was made possible by the City of San Antonio Department of Arts and Culture, striving to enrich the quality of life of San Antonio residents and visitors by creating art programming and helping people experience art. For this and more information, visit GetCreativeSanAntonio.com. Our next storyteller is Caroline Davis. Caroline shares a story about a childhood experience that lingered. So when I was 10, I heard a story on the playground. My friend was telling a story about how the devil would come to her house every night and scare her and her mom. It first started with footsteps going down the hallway, and then it would come into their room, and it would move things around, and it would show itself and scare them to death. Now, after I heard that story, I could not stop thinking about that story. I was 10 years old, and I didn't know what else to think, you know? And so I just kept thinking about it all day, um, thinking about it in class. And then when I got home, I kept thinking about it again. And I just kept scaring myself that this would be true. I can't believe it. And so that night, I was even scared to go to sleep. It took me so long to go to sleep that night. Um, I even, you know, I got my dog and I was like, okay, I hope it doesn't happen to me. I hope it doesn't happen to me. And then I finally go to sleep. And lo and behold, three o'clock comes in the morning and I'm awakened and I hear these footsteps coming down the hall. Thump, 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 all the way to my bedroom. At first I thought it was my brother John, you know, he's working late at night. But then I'm like, it's three o'clock in the morning, no way, he's already home. But then I see, I look towards my door and the, the, there's a shadow that's coming over my room and taking over the hallway light until there's nothing but darkness in my room. And then I hear, shuffling under my bed. I'm 10 years old. I have a messy room. It was dirty. Anyway, so I hear all of this shuffling and I just blanket up and squeezing my dog and like, please go away. Please go away. I'm so scared. And so that was the first night. All right. And so there are several nights that that had occurred over and over and over again. 
from nights where there's bleeding coming from my windows, screeching nails down my windows, everything that you could think of that has to do with being terrified about this spirit. I thought it was the devil. Um, for a long time, I thought it was the devil. Even so, my parents thought I was delusional. They did not think anything was going on. They kept saying, Caroline, there's nothing wrong with you. I'm going to prove it. I'm going to lock you in your room, and I'm going to shut the door and turn off the light. <laughs> well, that did not work. <laughs> All leading up to this one moment in time where it was the pinnacle of this serious situation for me. Um, I was about 12 at the time, and I remember this night so succinctly because it still is a part of me today. Um, I am sleeping in my bed, um, and I have my little dog. She's a chihuahua. Her name was Honey. I loved her. And uh, my little protector. And so I was sleeping in bed, and again, woken at 3 o'clock in the morning. I hear the footprints, or the footsteps coming down the hallway, thump, thump, thump. And there goes again, the light coming, coming, uh, well, going away, apparently not coming. Um, and so it's just blackness in my room again. And this time it felt a little bit different um, because I had experienced it so long that I just, I was still really much in fear, but this time I had a little um, things that I was doing, like singing Christmas carols, um, like trying to get it to go away because it would just last longer and longer. And so I was singing Christmas carols. I was holding on to my dog. I had the covers over my head, uh, a pillow on my head, you know, everything to keep out the noise. And, uh, and so I heard the stuff under the bed, but then I felt this needle come up through the bed and go into my shoulder. And I was like, Okay, that's it. I can't stay in the bed. All right, so I jump up and I look, and there is this being in front of my doorway, and it has like no legs. I'm looking at um, just a torso of a guy in a biker vest, so like a leather vest like this, but with patches, and he has long hair and a beard and an upside down cross earring. And I was like, you know, 12 years old seeing a ghost, like what? Um, and so I was like, uh-uh, this is not gonna happen. So I bolted it to my mom's room and they're like, there's nothing there, here, let's go see. And you know, later, they're never there when you, they, when you really need them to be there. And so, <laughs> so after that, it kind of uh, stopped. Um, being there so much and it finally went away it was uh, the point where I realized it wasn't the devil it was just a spirit and it was something that was there to haunt me or terrorize me or something like that I don't know its real intention I didn't ask it I didn't care to ask it um, but to this day I still have trouble sleeping I have to sleep in the pitch black because it's better than seeing your lights go out Right? So my husband's like, why do you like to sleep in the dark? Well, that's one of the reasons. Um, <laughs> but that's my story. Thanks for listening. I guess we could agree that some ghosts are just 
terrible dressers. Worth Repeating is now a book. Trinity University Press and TPR are proud to present Worth Repeating San Antonio stories featuring 40 true narratives. Pick one up at the next live event November 14th. Your support funds programs like these. This program was made possible by Niche at Pearl. More than clothing, Niche at Pearl features jewelry, accessories, and crafting events. For this and more information, visit nicheatpearl.com. Our final storyteller is Matthew Charles. Matthew shares a story about how the power that compels him most in the morning is the snooze button. All right, before I get started, uh, I want to give you guys a little bit of background information about myself. I grew up in a very conservative Christian family here in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, back in the 90s, uh, we went to a Southern Baptist church on the south side of San Antonio. Now, this wasn't just a, a Southern Baptist church. This was a Hispanic Southern Baptist church with some very, very intense preaching. And I'm talking like the type where you slam your Bible on the pulpit and you say, and you will burn in hell, in el nombre de Jesucristo. <laughs> so very, very intense preaching. Uh, yeah, so you kind of just give you a little bit. Uh, well, uh, my family, we were very involved at church. I mean, we were there all the time. I'm talking, we were there for Monday night prayer, Wednesday night service, Friday night prayer service again for some reason. <laughs> Saturday morning, get up to win some souls, and then Sunday morning, good old-fashioned church. So, you know, we were there all the time. Uh, my dad was a deacon at the church. Uh, my mom's teaching Sunday school. As I got older, uh, I started, you know, getting involved, started playing music and stuff. So I got really involved with the church band. And, and you know, as a teenager, that's what I was doing. And I guess at the time, you know, my mindset was very much a, you know, uh, if you're going to be playing, you got to walk the walk and talk the talk. So, you know, I was about it. Uh, anyway, so just to kind of give you guys like an idea of where I was at at 17 years old. Well, it was the first day of senior year. Um, both of my parents, blue collar working people, they had to get up early in the morning, go to work, which left my sister and I to get ready for school in the morning on our own. Um, at my parents' house, uh, both my sister and I, I, my room are upstairs, and our doors are like adjacent from each other, and there's a walkway in between. So it's the wee hours of the morning. I'm in my room, dead asleep. Okay, the sun hasn't even come up. Out of nowhere, my sister bursts into my room, runs up to my bed, tears practically streaming down her face. And she shakes me awake and she's like, Matthew, something's going on in my room. Something's going on with my radio. And I'm just waking up and I'm like, what are you talking about? And, and I hear, you know, uh, the volume uh, like going real loud. I don't know if you guys remember those early 2000 boom boxes like that had the volume knob that like rocked all the way up. So I'm in my room barely waking up and I'm hearing the volume like rock super loud. It's like, and then like nothing, nothing. And I'm like, what's going on? So she says, like something's going on in my room. The volume in my radio won't stop turning on and off. And I'm trying to process this. I'm trying to process this and make sure like I have a logical response. I'm like, 
just lower the volume. <laughs> and she's like, I already turned the volume. I, I don't know what's going on. I can't turn the volume down. And and I'm like, okay, just just unplug it, you know? And she's like, I already unplugged it. And now stuff's starting to fly around my room. And I'm like, what is going on? So at this point, I start to see random objects start hitting my door. I mean, I'm talking, I start seeing shoes hitting the door. I see stuffed animals flying around. And I have no idea what's going on. So at this point, I'm like, all right, I need to do something. So I jump up. And I'm like, literally, on my bed. And, and coincidentally enough, I had a Bible right next to my bed. I grabbed my Bible. And I, I don't know if it was like, the intense preaching that I was like brought up with, or if it was that like I had watched the Exorcist movie one too many times. <laughs> but it's 6.45 in the morning and I'm ready to go. Okay, so I'm standing on my bed and out of nowhere I'm like, Satan, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you. <laughs> well, I start to see my sister just hysterically laughing, and I'm like, what's going on? And then I see her friend walk in, and she's also laughing, and I'm like, what is going on here? Well, little did I know that uh, my sister's friend had showed up to, to our house early because they were both in band. They were gonna get up and go to school early that day, go to band, whatever. Well, they had devised this entire plan <laughs> Because little did I know, and I, I found this out later when I was talking to my sister, my parents had told her, you better make sure your brother wakes up for school tomorrow. <laughs> so she devised this entire scheme, her and her friend, to make sure that I would get out of bed because she knew that it was only gonna be the fear of the devil that was gonna get me out of bed. And that is how I started my first day of senior year. <laughs> Sounds like it was just the right kind of alarm for Matthew. That's it for the Worth Repeating podcast. Do us a favor and give us a like, subscribe, or review us wherever you stream podcasts. Stay tuned for part two of Worth Repeating Spectre, streaming everywhere you stream podcasts on October 31st. It's a spooky one. You don't want to miss it. Support for Worth Repeating comes from the 8020 Foundation, the City of San Antonio Department of Arts and Culture, and Niche at Pearl. Worth Repeating is a production of Texas Public Radio. I'm Tori Poole. Thanks for listening.